This is WFO Radio. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Costello, and Factory Stock Podcast is back. That is right. As part of WFO Radio, my weekly show, we have decided we want to focus in on one of the coolest categories in all of NHRA drag racing and, frankly, all of motorsports. You know, the folks at samtech.edu helped us launch Factory Stock Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and for a couple of years, we got to know the stars behind this sport. And then when the sponsorship changed, kind of fell by the wayside, but now it is being resurrected at the start of 2022, and we have got our very first winner. He won the Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals for his first win in Factory Stock Showdown, Mr. Lenny Lodig, and he joins us now. Lenny, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? All right. You already win for coolest background ever on Factory Stock Podcast. That's your shop. Multiple cars. Looks awesome. And uh, how does it feel to be a winner in the category? Well, you know, it still doesn't even quite seem that uh, it was possible to uh, to make the win because this time last year, I was actually uh, flew down to uh, Florida and picked up my toter and uh, swung by the uh, Gator Nationals and just hung out with uh, David Barton and all the all the guys on his team there and uh like I say it was just seeing what all was going on with uh with what was happening and a year later end up winning the race so it's been a overtop life experience that is amazing and uh i got to know you and anthony troyer a little bit i believe it was in kansas we were in rain delay and i was walking around like that's what i do if we have a rain delay i go find somebody that i don't know who they are and i meet them and hang out and you guys were super welcoming and uh it was a really cool experience to see that you guys were kind of both new in the category forging this trail and these cars that you love and then you run each other in your in your final round uh to win the race like that had to be pretty meaningful it that it was yep like i said it's uh everyone in the showdown class is a great group of guys i mean there's not one person it's not yeah exactly so let's talk a little bit about and i've got many questions about your barton camaro in the category and how much fun it is to drive we love those giant wheel stands and clearly you experienced a couple of them but i want to know more about how you got here like Aaron Stanfield, we know how he got here, right? Greg Stanfield is a longtime, multi-time world champion, and his kid is now in drag racing. We always say we got to bring new people in. You're new to Factory Stock Showdown and new to NHRA, but not new to fast cars. So give us a little bit of, like, how you got here. Well, I mean, I've been a bracket racer since I was 16. I mean, the, the week I got my driver's license was the first time I went to the drag to our local drag strip and did uh, – uh, you know, regular just quarter mile bracket racing. And then it wasn't, uh, I did that for probably about four years and decided no, go a little bit faster. And that's whenever I took my car that I had, that was a daily driver and um, got hooked up with uh, Ray Barton and cause I'm a Mopar guy actually. And uh, so it would have been like 22 years ago, I believe I got my first Mopar from Ray Barton and I've been a, you know, a happy customer ever since. So in my, so I bracket raced. And then whenever I bought my company, which had been 15 years ago, life changes and didn't have time, didn't have the resources to be going uh, racing all the time. So I kind of parked that car. And then I 
dabbled a little bit. I drove a, another good friend of mine, my kind of one of my mentors, super gas car, and a uh, and he had a stalker, and that's when I fell in love with a stock car with a stock class eliminations, with the heads up. Yeah. That kind of ruined me after um, <laughs> experiencing the class race and a heads up. I'm like, that's just as, it doesn't get any better than that. And so then, um, you know, with getting my motors freshened up out at Barton's, I'd always be out there, and then, and I always followed him what was going on. Uh, you know, from whenever David was running the Mopar, and then he went to the Camaro. I mean, I'll be honest, I was kind of devastated because. Uh, you know, I'm a Mopar guy. I mean, I would eat a lot of crow five years ago if there would be Camaro sitting in my garage like there is now. But um, hey, it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> so when I was out there actually getting my uh, my 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 Mopar, uh, dropping it off to get it freshened up, which would have been uh, the end of 2020. That's whenever uh, actually Anthony Troyer's car was at David's shop. And there was a several other ones. Uh, you know, Falcone's car was there, uh, Jesse's car was there, and uh, David's car was there. And I just was, you know, I'd always been following the factory stock. So I started talking there with with Ray, and was like really getting into the, like, hey, let's go and jump into this uh, factory stock showdown. And so then it got with David, and that's how we ended up getting the the car that we got built versus buying a Copo and. Um, get tearing it apart making it a showdown david's like let's build a showdown car from scratch and so that's how like i say we got my car on order and then after i actually went down to gainesville and you know and, and like i said i really hadn't followed it because of the COVID. you know there wasn't much going on the year before so i get down here and i'm like holy cow they're going into seven seconds i'm like what the, i came home and told my wife what the world did we get into um you know, because I mean, I went low nines before, but you know, I'm like, that's a big jump. So that's whenever I was like, and my bracket car hadn't put put back together yet because I was converting it from a automatic to a stick. And um, so that's how I ended up buying uh, the Stalker, the 427 car, because I was like, I need something to get a little more practice to uh, before we get the showdown car. So David then hooked me up with the 427 car. Actually, you know, picked this one up off of um, David Be or Don Bell's and uh, sort of had that there until I said my car didn't get done. Uh, we picked my car up and I did it. We did, we tested it the week before Norwalk <clears throat> last year of the, uh, Norwalk Nationals. So when we rolled into, uh, Norwalk, my car was seven days old. And I think that was the seventh or so full pass that I ever made down the track Wow, was a uh, Friday night at uh, Norwalk. So we kind of hit the ground wide open, but. So let's yeah, explain a little bit. Let's explain a little bit getting a car built from scratch because that's possible too. I remember uh, Daryl Heron and Bo Butner kind of went that route with Bo's Cobra Jet, and he explained like, you know, you don't have to buy it. Like, you don't have to. Every car that competes in the category doesn't have to be one of the ones that it's built from the factory, but it can be built to the rules of the factory. And so, David, your car, as I understand it, is the first one that they built that way. Am I correct about that? Yes, I um I bought a CRC, a Camaro rolling chassis. Okay. From Chevrolet, so I, I I wrote the check for just the chassis off of the uh, um to uh, turnkey, and then everything else I paid to uh, David, and then David shipped all the parts out. You know, so instead of replacing the brakes and the transmission and the axles and all of the the stuff that you normally would do away with. David sent everything that how he would build the car at his shop. So when we got, we literally picked up the car at their shop, uh, turnkey, a couple hours. We added a few little race pack stuff that was that needed added that that we hadn't shipped to them, and uh, 
I think we put the we started putting the motor in on Thursday at around noon. At ten o'clock that night, we fired it up. David Friday morning um, did some hits on the hub dyno at his shop, and we I ran at Maple Grove, <clears throat> and. I told David, I says, you take this thing down the track the first time. I thought, I'm not going to jump into this thing. I thought, let him know. <laughs> this is his this is his gig. So the, the third pass, the car went into seven seconds. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God. And he's like, hey, there you go. And jumped, turned me into it. And uh, we kept easing into it. And, uh, you know, and then it rained that weekend. We tried to do more testing at that weekend. And uh, so we ended up, uh, you know, we just, I, I only made a I think uh, I think it was literally six passes I made in the car. Yeah, no, five, five passes in the car between the rainstorms. Loaded it up and um, went out, qualified it in the dark. I was when we get to Maple or Norwalk, I was the designated pair. I was the first pair out and it was in the dark because of the rain. And I'm like, my God, here it is, rain, <laughs> uh, no, dark, and I'm the first pair out. I'm like, it could not get any more nervous. And so then um, I went and. Uh, I made that pass and I can remember um, when I was coming back through fuel check, I kept hearing on the radio, Leonard Lodick still number one qualifier. And I'm like, that's unbelievable. You know, cause it took like five or six rounds till someone actually outbeat my uh, qualifying run. And I'm like, yeah, that's the sixth time the car or seventh time the car went down the track. Well, and who is this it, guy? Know? Right. And who is this guy? Like it might've been me or certainly part of the collective of, of that. Like he let him on. All right. He just jumps into showdown. He's at number one. He's sitting out there. He's first out. Uh, wow. What's going on there? But it all makes sense because here we are not that far later. You have, you have won a race and you've got a very quick, and fast hot rod. But I actually really like hearing you talk about being nervous behind the wheel of the car. You know, so many fa fans and friends, you know, like, yeah, you're just driving straight, right? These things are beasts, Lenny. They're beasts. Small tire. Very, very wicked fast. And obviously, it's your personal investment. You don't want to damage it. There's a curve, right? There's got to be a curve to learn to drive one Look, of these. It's unbelievable, the curve. Because my, my stalker will go low nines. And, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, you know, I call it, it almost feels like you can jump and go get groceries and that, but you jump in the showdown car, best way to describe it, it's taking a bottle rocket, laying it on the ground, lighting it and hoping it goes straight. Um, you know, it's, it's such a fine line between a good hit and not. So, uh, well, whenever you met me at, uh, Topeka, yeah. it was, you know, I took out the timing cone, uh, blocks and, you know, was we was pulling his monster wheel stands and it was just going all over the place. Uh, that was actually at the Gators, um, that picture right there, because um, we never got the opportunity to run the car in that good of air. And we kept putting more weight on the front end, taking timing out of it. And the whole time at the baby Gators, uh, you know, I never did get a good hit uh, uh, on the test sessions at the, at the Gators because we just kept pulling their monster wheelies. And it was like, you know, just wasn't used to having, you know, the car making that much more power because of the good air and just couldn't get it tamed down until. So whenever we qualified at the Gators, we were a little bit conservative. So I think I was 10th on the, on the ladder there because we went out being a little bit conservative, just trying to get down the track, being first out. And because uh, we, you know, David was, we call him, you no, know, he's the coach. And uh, he's like, you know, we got to at least get down the track. If you spin the tires or pull a big wheel stand, we're not going to, you know, it was maybe the only hit you get. So right. luckily he was able to make the field. And then, um, you know, second round to end up having a buy. And then third round having a buy. I'm like, you know, I'm finally getting the luck swung to me that I'm always complaining that everybody else gets. But, uh, but the nervousness on the learning curve is, uh, 
because the only thing I've ever done that's remotely close to this is I raced dirt bikes up until 12 years ago. And I always figured that was kind of, you know, crazy ass. Like um, uh, motocross, supercross style? Uh, yes. Okay. I, I did GNCC through the woods. Okay. Yeah, where, yeah. You know, you're flying through the woods and the trees are flying by you, you know, at Scary. 35, 45 miles an hour. Crazy, man. It was quite the adrenaline rush. <laughs> the showdown car is the only thing in life that's given me the adrenaline rush compared to that. So, wow. like, I, I say the, the showdown car is, because like I say, you don't know if it's going to spin the tires. I mean, when last summer... um. We was at a divisional, and it was only the fifth race I think I even had the car at. Now I'm coming back telling David, I said, you know, I said, at the top end, I said, the car just, I said, I don't know if something's loose. I said, it's, I'm kind of like, I'm driving this thing at the top end. He's showing me the race pack. because that's because you're spinning the tires as you're you know, going past the, uh, the, the thousand foot mark. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so that's what it, why I was steering at the top end. I mean, like I said, they're just crazy, you know, because it's a nine-inch tire. I mean, it's. They shouldn't really be able to go that fast. But, yeah. uh, well, but 1,500 horsepower or so and a 9-inch tire, it, it, make, it makes sense that they would be turning the tires down there. And the wheel stand, that one from Gainesville, pretty big. I mean, you're no Jesse Alexander just yet, but, you know. I, I never will be. Those are two biggest shoes for me to fill. Right? <laughs> this guy, man of mystery, he has got, the, as far as I know, the biggest, longest recorded wheel stands ever. But uh, if we... The, the real super diehards like you guys within the category, I'm sure, have them all mapped out. The biggest wheel stands uh, ever. But, you know, it's got to result in a win or, or a good run uh, at the end. But but yours yours have, and in some cases they did. Uh, Jesse also, right? But you don't know. What's it like driving a car when you're, you're staring at the sky for a long time? I know Aaron Stanfield had a couple as well where he is just... You know, three. It looks like 200 feet out, still way up yeah. there. How do you how do you know where you're going? Well, um, if they're not too stupid straight up, you can kind of tell a little bit out of uh, the peripheral vision. Like when I was at Topeka, um, I mean, all I could think about was uh, um, Rodriguez was going to hit me right in the door. I mean, I'm thinking I'm going to shoot right in front of him, and I was turning on that wheel after it came down. I, I mean, I thought I was going to break the steering wheel because I'm thinking he's just going to hit me right in the, in the driver's side door. Because I thought it, it felt like I was clear across the track. But, it, you know, when you go back and look, the videos do no justice as how they feel in the seat. But um, if they – and I, I've lost a few races because I've I I pedaled it. And then you're looking at the video, you're like, that, that – um, wasn't that bad of a wheel you know it's like we could have rode it out so now you know like we tell everybody on the radio i said i said i don't want to lift until i hear you screaming on the radio to lift because when i've lost a couple races because like john serbone in st louis yeah or no um uh he had a big one to, wherever that was i think in my i don't remember yeah, that was a big no one. i i was in st louis no it would have been in um it must have been in topeka yeah yeah he, he won I there mean, that was he, his win would, yeah, that to me was one of the coolest wins because, you know, he was monster wheel stand and rode it out and uh, finished the race, you know, and I'm like, you know, that was for the cool factor. You know, that was that was pretty damn cool. But um, <laughs> you know, so I always say, no, you tell everybody on the radio. I said, I don't want to lift unless you holler to lift. And because uh, it's you know normally they do go pretty straight. Cause we've we've been tweaking with the car back and forth to try to get it uh, you know, to go good and straight on the willy bars and then on the. The uh, you know, because that's kind of the, the was the last missing peak or a piece we was missing was riding them out far on the willy bars because we had a while to working with the chassis because you know, like say it's minute changes with the chassis to get them to go that straight whenever you're um, you know, up on the bars. 
Yeah, it, so well, it's been but, a but everyone work seems to process. be everyone seems to be figuring it out. There is one thing that uh, you know the popularity of the class, right? And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But I think those wheel stands are a big part of it. And I know that a really fast run—it's—it's it's like a quick and fast run. You're hovering the tires a little bit off the ground, but not really having a big giant wheel stand. Probably the more efficient way to get down the racetrack but the fans love those wheel stands and hopefully they will always be a part of this category maybe it's by accident uh or you know it's an example of ooh, they didn't hit it perfect but that's got to be part of it we love those wheel stands yeah yeah like i said they're they're really cool but sometimes they don't get you down the track fastest yeah. But they definitely are cool. They are definitely <laughs> cool. So, uh, you know, David, I guess, was going to be your opponent in the uh, in the semis, was it? Or, or no? But anyway, you mentioned you got no. two by runs setting up a final round against Anthony Troyer, which is really one I want to talk to you about because David is – those are both of his cars. And going into the, the first race of the year, we had a lot of discussions about parity. I, for one, am very thankful – and to all the Ford loyalists out there that are watching this or listening to this that are still subscribers to Factory Stock Podcast, you know, I know things got a little sideways down, you know, in the past. I hope you guys are back. You're you're appreciated and you're loved. And, you know, I, I, uh, I always respond negatively to the one guy on the Facebook, right? There's like 50 people who are positive and there's one guy that's negative and that guy ends up getting the response, which is really wrong and I shouldn't do it. And everybody does those kind of things. But... We love the Fords. I just get annoyed, Lenny, when people suggest that NHRA hates Ford and they're trying to get rid, like trying to act negative to Ford people because it just couldn't be further from the truth. It's like the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. But that's not a mainstream opinion. Like one guy says that and I should know that. And that's my fault. But the Fords are back and they're fast and the Dodges are crazy fast, right? But you guys got down the racetrack and you got to run Anthony in the final round. Um, we'll talk about parody in a minute, but talk about that final round against Anthony Troyer and how meaningful it was in your first, you, you set your target on this and now you had a shot to achieve it and you ultimately did. What was it like? Take me through it. Well, whenever we get off to the staging lanes, uh, we didn't know that it was going to be called as the final. Um, you know, because I didn't know that, uh, you know, Warren had, had broke and that uh, I knew David had broke. So we, we assumed that Anthony was going to get the, the uh, a buy. So whenever we get up there and that's whenever he asked us to go to the final. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, because it's different, I think, whenever you know. Like when I was in St. Louis when I went to the final, I knew I was going to the final. You know, after I you know, won against uh, Mark Powick, I'm like, okay, I knew him. So I had, you know. 70 minutes or an hour to pump up to like this is the final where now i'm in the staging lanes and they're like hey you're ready to go we're running the final right why why like, run so, two by runs like what's the point of that you guys are both here you're the finalist your opponents are going to be broken let's just run it let's get it done especially on a weird weekend like we had had in gainesville exactly and um and plus you know so i had you know five minutes there running through of you know because going to the final, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, when we saw how fast the uh, the Mustangs and the Ford were, I'm thinking, whew, this is going to be kind of a, a bad weekend for us. But, you know, all of a sudden here I'm in the staging lanes, like I'm in my final, I'm in, I'm in the final, you know, and it was against, you know, Tater. And, uh, you know, and we always laughed. We said, you know, we're all, we're all here, you know, it takes the village to race these cars. And, uh, 
you know, we all want to help each other out. But I said, from the water box to the return line, all I want to do is make smashed taters. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was even a little bit, you know, I'm not going to say, well, uh, I would say, you know, nervous going up against because he'd been killing the tree yes. all weekend. And um, so, like, I was, you know, trying to like just hit the tree, hit the tree. So, you know, I, I ended up getting a good light. And, uh, because like I say, he was just killing the tree. And I was just thinking, my gosh, if I go, because I'm thinking this is going to be the second final I got to. And if I lose this one two in a row, I'm just going to be so aggravated at myself. And the card swung my way. But it was, uh, you know, to be up against against Anthony, because like I say, we both pretty well were greenhorns at it uh, this year or last year. And, uh, you know, and we both have come, you know, come a long ways in, uh, in, last, in last season. But, you know, we all surround ourselves with good people, you know with uh, you know, everybody that David already has one, you know, and say the Barton team, you know, those are all good guys, good racers, and uh, I'll give a good advice. So uh, it was, uh, like I said, it still uh, didn't seem quite possible that we was into a final. But you did it, and you won, and it was like the the, the whole team won, and uh, Anthony's going to get his day as well. I have no doubt about that. You guys are in it for the long haul, and uh, just great. How did you celebrate, right? It was, uh, like I said, it was a weird weekend, but all of a sudden, just like that, you're the winner. What was the... What was the Lodig celebration party like? Well, after we got back, you know, because we wasn't sure if it was going to be a rainstorm or not, so we went and put all the uh, all the cars away. We actually, um, all of us went out with uh, with uh, Anthony's uh, you know, family and uncle, and uh, so we all celebrated. Uh, we went to some little uh, uh, restaurant uh, down the road there from Gainesville, and we actually took Wally with us because I'm like, you know, this dude is partying with us all night long. And it was hilarious. We go to the restaurant, and you know, people are coming up and are like, we've never seen a Wally before. Because most of the people were in the races was at the restaurant. So it was, I mean, we had so much fun um, that night out uh, with the, uh, you know, carrying uh, the Wally around with us. It was, uh, it was a good time. Oh, that's great. Now, congratulations. And, uh, and who's this? That is Louie. He's my BFF. Yeah, he goes with me to work every day, and he goes with us to the races. And uh, so, you know, we couldn't take a picture without having him there because uh, he helps, you know, whenever we're kind of nervous, you know, he goes and uh, he comes up there and kind of helps calm the calm the nerves down. Because, like I say, every time I go racing, I make sure he's in the toter and always give him a little bit of a, a little bit of loving before I go out the door. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, he could be a little bit of a good luck charm. Okay. Well, uh, for those calm the nerves. For those that are uh, listening audio only on Factory Pod, uh, Factory Stock Podcast, it's a photo of his dog. Right? He's awesome. What was his name again? Louie? Yep. Louie. Louie. I like it. He's Louis, got a shirt. Yeah. He's got a team shirt. It looks like it was made special for him, too. <laughs> well, you know, we keep him in. He's he's one of the family. That is great. He's got his constant aviation hat on. That is cool. So, great win. I want to turn our attention to a couple of different uh, subjects, as in those other fast uh, Fords and Mopars and four-wide factory stock showdown. But before we do that, your great weekend of winning in Gainesville kind of a little bump in the road on your way home what happened well whenever um we were going to this race our daughter was scheduled to have a c-section the thursday after the race and it was all supposed to be good because you know my wife was going to have to go and take care of their other baby who was uh 13 months 14 months old and she was supposed to do it on wednesday within the rain delay everything gets pushed back so then we're finishing we ran stock then with the you know, sportsman's on monday so it was about 1.30 in the morning or afternoon, we leave Gainesville and we stopped at Georgia to get uh, fuel up the truck and let Louie out. And because nah, it was, you know, 3.30, 4 o'clock, something like that there. Wife comes in the truck and Holly just went into labor. 
um, you know, emergency surgery. It was all this, you know, oh, paranoia. So we shut the door and didn't open up again until we were in uh, D.C. to uh, Route 7 on 270. So 3.30 in the morning, I'm unloading the car so the wife can take the little Fiat to the to, to go meet the, the daughter and the new grandbaby. And I'm trucking on home. I only had two more hours to get home. Well, you know, it's, it's tired and a brand new race shop. And uh, the road, it goes around the back of the building. Um, we actually had, you know, a construction equipment sitting there. So I was a little bit tight getting through and the trailer going into the mud and a smart guy would have said, whoa, let's back up here. You know, not me. I just floored the truck and tried to power through it and didn't happen. So it tore up the corner of the trailer, tore up the truck. So I literally just got the trailer fixed us uh, over the weekend. I finished putting this new stainless on it. And, and actually, I fixed the truck the way Renegade should have made it from the beginning. So nah. It's better than better than new now. There's spikes and weaponry under there, just in case anybody crosses yes. crosses you. I well listen. You got every every racing story's got to have like a little bit of a, you know, a bump in the road. Um, but everything turned out okay with your daughter. Most importantly. Oh yeah, yep. Daughter was good. Little baby boy, so he's growing like a weed now. So. Well, see, so was, you win uh, your first race, and your grand a grandson is born in within days. Uh, twenty less than twenty four hours later. How great is that? And and it was my birthday month in March. So because last year we were down there, everybody on the the Barton crew was laughing because I said I don't celebrate birthday, I celebrate birth month because you know I had a new race car come and I picked up a toter and a trailer down there in Florida. I said I'm celebrating a birth month of March. So when in the Gators, that was like I said, hey, I'm starting off my birth month here. You know, I love it. I love it. All right, so I'm looking at the point standings for everybody out there. Lenny leads the points. He's only 112 to 91 over Tater Troyer. Anthony Troyer is a potato farmer, guys, and so that's his nickname is Tater. It is low. Warren Walcher is uh, third, 76. David himself 73 powick 58 he's got a fast car bill skillman ricky horde trip carter aaron stanfield last year's champ and the back-to-back champ sitting on a ninth uh stephen bell 10th and we got a lot of cars that are capable of winning so give me your thoughts on parity right now looked like the mopars are fast they showed more than they wanted but it was crazy air the air was so good it was so uh you know it was an anomaly race uh what do you think about the lay of the land right now as you get ready for the next race, which will be a uh, Charlotte. I mean, you look at the, uh, the mile an hour that uh, both of them are, both the other brands are putting on, putting up and uh, you know, I mean, it looks to be a consistent cause even with comparing it to the NMCA race that did the week after it does look like there's, you know, four to six hundreds between the, uh, the two other brands in the Chevrolets, but um, you know, we don't really want to complain. We just need to work a little bit harder to make that up. Right. So, uh, well, and we'll mm-hmm. see. We the sample size is just not big enough yet. We we got to see what's going on. But yeah, Trip Carter had a fast car, and Powell's car is crazy fast. And uh, and we'll see. But you guys proved that you know getting down the racetrack and great reaction times uh, can can uh, end the day. Okay. So I'm under the impression, and forgive me for uh, I believe you guys are going four wide in Charlotte. Is that as you understand is, it as well? That that is that is what David Davis told us when we was at Vegas that we were going to go four wide, and that we were going to have an extra qualifying session to help um, four sessions because, because said, everybody's yeah, got to get a shot in every lane, just like we did with the alcohol cars in Vegas. And I know there's a 
faction of people out there that are not into the four wide. But look, whatever, you know, you, you don't have to watch that weekend, right? I love it. And the idea of seeing you guys, a Dodge, a Mustang, a Camaro, and then another Dodge, say, go wheels up at the hit, high sevens, 178, 180 miles an hour. That's going to be crazy fun. Uh, and now as the points leader, you've got to be thinking about what's possible. So what do you what do you say, Lenny? What's possible for you and your team this year? Well, anything is possible. That is for sure. And, um, you know, and as we could tell, you know, uh, how you how you qualify doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the one that wins. So, um, you know, it does take some luck and it takes, uh, you know, some good planning. And so, I mean, I'm I'm being coming out of the gate swinging like this here now. I'm I'm feeling very confident that um, you know we can be a, a contender this season, um, you know because we 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 kind of figured out some things there later in the year last year, and so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully uh, help keeping this uh, points lead uh, up in front because uh, uh, at least for one thing it's better to be chased than it is to be catching. Absolutely. So, um, you, 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 you know, and, and given the, the schedule being relatively limited percentage wise, like one win makes a big difference, you know, top 10 in points, top five in points, top two in points, like who knows, those guys are chasing you. And, you know, Aaron Stanfield, who has been the king of the category a couple of years in a row has is, you know, fallen way behind. He's going to have to make up a lot of ground, but there's a long way to go and we'll see what happens in the four wide. Now, Lenny, before we let you go, um, and, and folks, these new factory stock podcasts can be a little shorter a little tighter, get to know the driver, all about the driver. Uh, that's it. Um, and we encourage you to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, follow us on WFORadio.com and, and enjoy the show as best as you can. But there's a new category coming, Factory X. And from what I understand, Lenny, you're now hopelessly hooked on Heads Up Drag Racing <laughs> and you're going to go a Factory X as well. So people are worried that Factory X may somehow affect factory stock i'm not worried about that but some people are just give me your like why did you want to be involved and now are you going to be involved in both like how are you going to handle this and what's the status oh i'm going to definitely be involved in both um i mean i i I think there may be some people that may just leave the factory stock and just concentrate on the fx but to me my theory is hey that's twice as much fun so uh, I mean I'd be racing three if they let us run three cars I'd be running that and my stalker but uh, you know, two's the limit but um, yeah we have because like I say with that with having the same engine rules with as the showdown so it kind of made sense to go with the um, uh, you know to jump in with the FX uh, class uh, so right looking forward to that because uh, you know hopefully we're gonna have a couple cars here running out of the Barton camp uh, you know three or four here shortly hopefully and um because there's some other cars on order, and we're just trying to, you know, get the feeling out of um, how it's going to be and what's involved, and uh, before everyone else jumps in. But um, you know, I, I think if some of the people do go and um, leave the show showdown and go into the FX only, you know, that'll help, you know, open the door for some other people to have room into the 16 car field, to um, right where it won't be such a tight. Because you know, it's as you can see, you know, there's a kind of a you know if you're running a single car by yourself it's kind of it is a little bit more difficult to make you know the upper end of the qualifying field 
It, it, it is. And, the showdown. And for those that for those that don't know and you haven't seen these guys, you know, they got to swing an engine every once in a while. And it's it does. You said it earlier. It takes a village. It really does. And the Stanfield's got a village and the DSR guys, they've got uh, they don't have a village. They've got like a city. And uh, <laughs> and you guys have got uh, a, a group when when something goes wrong on one car, everybody dives in to to help out. But it is. There's a feeder system, and I think this is great with these engines, and I'm super excited about Factory X. And, um, you know, the, the question is, like, who's going to have the first car we're going to see? Are you uh, near the front of the line? Who's building your car? Uh, Jerry Haas and, uh, is uh, – I'm number six on the line. Okay. With a, with a Jerry. And uh, when I talked to him, uh, he called me after winning the, the Gators, and we were just talking, and he congratulated me about winning the race. And uh, – he said my car would should be late, like late season. It'll be like, we'll be testing over winter. It won't be here late summer like we were kind of hoping for, but it'll be. Uh, and it's mainly because of the uh, carbon fiber parts that's you know, getting the okay blessings between NHRA and yeah. the manufacturers. And actually, that just happened in Phoenix the week after the Gators. Oh, okay. Because I know they were doing some preliminary yeah. measurements in Phoenix, so I was like, okay. And so I guess they've locked them in now. Um, and yeah. that all takes time for the impatient among us. Uh, we all want to see it. Are you ready for the Liberty? Are you ready for that? Like, I love these engines, like the, the best of factory stock, the engine, and then the best of pro stock, the clutch and the five speed. I think that's going to be pretty, pretty special. It's going to be, yeah, because I mean, I'm a believer in a real, real cars have three pedals in them. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, so because uh, it was, I actually was converting my bracket car over to a. Uh, no, it's a. It'll be a, a mid eight second car door slammer with a with a five speed in it, and so that's just now is even be a little bit better. Uh, so I can, um, you know, at least be banging the gears here this spring with my bracket car, um, getting used to, uh, you know, ripping off five gears. But you know, I was doing a little contemplating on it. You know, you're you're getting four shifts essentially in four seconds because you figure by the eighth mile. You're going to be in high gear, so you know that's going to be a little over four seconds. You're 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 rowing four four gears, so that should be pretty exciting stuff. It is going to be very exciting, and I love what they're I doing mean, with Factory X. No, I love Factory Stock Showdown as well. The power windows and all that, like a stocker, whereas Factory X is going to be stock dimensions, which is so important in my opinion, and then a lot of a lot of pro stock style race raceability. Yeah, I mean, I I just hope they make the cars staying looking stock. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, the one piece front end, I I know for um maybe cost or for whatever reasons, I I can I can justify that. I mean, like I wish they had an opening hood versus a one piece front end, um, just because you know, I I. I want them to look like a real car. They got to look like a real car, and everybody out there, mm -hmm. we you know, if you're listening to Factory Stock podcast, you probably agree. Be, and that's the one thing, like, not that I have any beef with a modern pro stocker. I love them as thoroughbred, amazing machines. But if I bring someone to the track that's not a drag racing fan, they might not know what it is. Whereas it's it's important that your car, nobody has any doubt what it is. They've seen one. They rented one. A friend of theirs has one, a Camaro. Maybe they've got one. And that identity I believe is very important. So we're going to get back there, I think, uh, very soon. Yeah, because I mean, 20 years ago, I always said I would I would margin my life success with uh, if I could either run a pro stock car or an AH Hemi car because, um, you know, again, like I said, I'm a, I was always a 
Mopar Hemi guy. And uh, I always said, but now I was like, you know, after, you know, I, I, my, uh, my, my choice would not be to have the pro stock just because the, you know, they look more like a, a, a morph off of a, of a, of a pro mod. Right. Well, so, and it is, it is, it's a, it's definitely goes in between and evolution. We're going to get there. We're going to figure it out and the market will decide, right? I think fans definitely want to see, see it. Uh, and so are you a Chevy guy now or are you a Barton guy? I think you're a Barton guy and whatever David's like into, you're going to just listen to David. Hey, I mean, for 20 some years, they've always uh, given me good, uh, uh, good bullets to uh, put down the chamber. So I, I say now, if David said I need to paint the bottom of my engine pink, it will make it go faster. I'd be buying the pink paint and putting it underneath because, you know, <laughs> I will not deviate from what he says because, you know, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, you know. I mean, here I am, a, a, a greenhorn, and, uh, you know, he gave me the car and gave me the, the directions of what to be doing, and, uh, you know, I can follow his directions about 65% of the time, but um, because the other time I just screw up and make dumb mistakes. But, you know, David's always telling me, keep making the same mistake over and over. We can correct what you're doing. So just be consistent in your mistakes. So, you know, I can do a lot of mistakes. I just have a hard time being consistent and making the, the same mistake. You know? I got it. I got it. Well, listen, Lenny, congratulations. I, it was great to see you and Anthony battle in the final round. You get the first win. Certainly, uh, you know, an underdog story in that race. And I wish you great luck for the remainder of the season. We're going to have a fun year covering it. We're going to have a fun year watching it. Charlotte is not far away. I will see you there. And uh, and thank you for joining us here on uh, this edition of Factory Stock Podcast uh, presented by WFO Radio. And uh, I'm excited for the rest of the year. You got me more excited. A little bit of a big break in between the first and the second race. But once we get going, we'll be going good. All right. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, Lenny. Lenny Lodig with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. And that's going to do it, folks. Stay locked in. Factory Stock Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Of course, you can always follow me, WFO Joe, on WFO Radio. And stay up with the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series, Lucas Oil Series, and now Factory Stock Showdown. We'll see you next time on Factory Stock Podcast. This is WFO Radio.